Welcome to Uncommon Sense. I'm your host, Jill Gleba, and we're talking to inspirational, common, and imperfect people just trying their best and trying to gain some uncommon sense. Did you ever have such a horrible job or boss and didn't know how to get out of it? Angela did. We all make terrible career mistakes and Angela is happy to share her adventure. She managed to get fired and turn her experience into a business that helps you if you're underpaid, feel you could do better, or seek a better career. Her company, Resume Rescue, helps with resume writing, interview prep, and helps you find your place. It would be nice today to hear from an expert so that you can improve your circumstances. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to do this. Yeah, it'll be fun. It will. So tell me your story. I don't even know how you grew up, but it would be nice to know kind of where you came from, and then you had a job, and I want to hear the story, if you don't mind. Okay, let's see if we could be short and sweet with this. Graduated high school. I grew up in Rochester. I went to Stony Creek High School. From there, I went to Penn State University. So I was lucky and blessed that my parents saved for a college fund for me. Um, Both of them, my dad didn't even finish high school crazy enough and started his own business. Mm -hmm. And my mom actually started her own business when she was pregnant with me. Did she go to college? She did not. She did a trade school. She was a travel agent. So she went to two-year certification or something along those lines. So college education was very important to both of my parents. And the entrepreneurship was kind of in my blood, so to say. So I went to Penn State. I changed my degree about three, four times when I wanted to be criminal profiler, journalist, uh, a few other things. I've always been a good writer. I won awards in high school for my writing and artistic abilities. So then I went to college, graduated, and found myself like, oh, what do I do now? So I kind of fell into these internships into whatever recruiting was. I didn't know this was a whole field. And my friend came to me, I think it was junior year, and he said, hey, Ange, you've always been a good writer. Can you, you think you could do my resume? I'm like, I, I don't know. I guess I could, Austin. I don't, I don't know how to do resumes, but sure, let's try it. And I still have that resume to this day, funny enough. You saved it? I saved it, yes. It's a little college resume that's so outdated. And I want to acknowledge that it's pretty cool that your parents did not go to college. No. Mm-mm. Are you the first one to go to college then? Yes. Pretty cool. Yes. Very so, cool. Very cool, but very, very different of kind of going in wide. I'd not expect. Oh, yeah. Because they didn't prepare you. Mm-hmm. And you went out of state. Yes. That just shows your personality. It was. And it was, I think, the travel in me that my mother was traveling the world at 18 kind of came into play there because she was always expose yourself to other cultures, do other things, step outside your comfort zone. She felt comfortable and she's like, you want to go? I got part scholarship. So I did decide to go out of state. That's pretty cool. That's very adventurous for a young person, just for the record. I mean, it was a big transition, things you don't think about, like, oh, you have to buy salt and pepper and things that you're so used to growing up of little things that your parents always had most of the time. Yeah. So it was a transitional period and then kind of came into writing resumes and whatnot. So after I went to college, a friend of a friend, a referral base, ended up in this recruiting job and I helped transitioning military veterans find work. Very rewarding, was awesome, but the advice they were given was very outdated. So I said, okay, you're going to be another statistic if you submit this resume because it's awful, and they're giving advice that was true in the 90s. Right. So outdated. Things do need to change. Yes. I mean, even with the pandemic, resume trends and hiring trends even changed in the last two, three years. It's a cyclical thing sometimes, too, with what's happening. Well, the job market is what's a hot job, what isn't. There are jobs that were around 
I'm an old person, but I mean, <laughs> no, you're there, not. <laughs> there's jobs that were around back in my day that are no longer even right. jobs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So things do change. And with technology changes, I mean, how many new opportunities there were that weren't existing even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it does change a lot. So when I got into recruiting, I did it for free. I was the go-to in the office for, uh, hey, Angela, can you just zhuzh up this resume? Can you fix it? And it was nothing compared to what I can do now, but I did it. But you got right into it. I did. Yeah. And I didn't even think this could be a business at all. I was like, I'll just do it. I'm good at writing. Sure, great. And then that job, I was the only woman in my department. I was making thirty grand, And they said, hey, work for us for a year. See what you do, and we'll bump your salary. How big was your department? There was about six recruiters or so. So we had a defense and automotive team. I was on the defense team. So half our office was literally divided. Half was like the sales, recruiting, revenue generating side. Other end was operations. So most in operations were all women, HR, marketing. So on my side of the office, it's pretty much just me with all these account managers, VPs, everyone doing sales. And they said, okay, 21-year-old Angela, you go in and you do great. We'll bump your salary. That's nice, though. And I'm just going to share with you, we had 65 associates and two females. And I had to learn to navigate that a little bit back in the day. Because back in the day, the men were mad that the women had, they thought we were taking their jobs, even though my job was peer commission. So I wasn't really taking anything. But it's just like a man being in an all-female office. They have the same issues because it tends to get... uh, Locker roomish? Yes. Yeah. And my percentage, you'll love this. My commission percentage was 0.33%. I wasn't even worth a full percentage commission. Seriously. I swear. <laughs> 0.33. I think of that now. I'm like, why? Why? You didn't know better and they took advantage of you. Right. That's what I'm going to just say. Right. Okay. I went to a Big Ten school. I was never, I mean, Penn State's a pretty good school. Yes, it is. But what a lot of the problems are in these great, big, awesome schools is you're not given those tools. Negotiate your salary, you know, navigate if something bad is happening at work, identifying if it's a discriminatory action. I mean, there's so many things that are not talked about and these poor kids out of college are not prepared for. And I was one of them. Actually, I'm just going to expand on that. I don't think parents know to do this. No. But our kids, when they were in high school even, They wrote down their references. I showed them, you go in, ask for the manager. You ask for an application. I walked them through what you think is a simple step. And then when they graduated from college and they were applying for a job, I showed them how to look up the company online. And then we were in our living room and our kids would come in and pretend we had a mock interview. (gasps) I love that. And I remember my son, we're like, no, no, don't (laughs) say that. (laughs) Bad answer. No. He thought he was, you know, hey, this is a pretty good answer. And He's a smart kid. He's just naive and didn't know better. But right. we're both like, no, we interview people and you don't <laughs> want to say that. <laughs> so here's my point. If you're a parent listening to this and you really don't know how to teach your kids how to interview, go get them some training. Let them have one up on their competition because that's how you move up in the world. That's how you make more money. Exactly. Yeah. It's something different too where, yes, the training and everything, and I was lucky to have two entrepreneurs as parents that helps kind of mold that work ethic into me and saying like, okay, be respectful of people, but also do this and do a little extra there. So back to that recruiting job, I thought I'd stay there forever. And then I had a job fall in my lap. I had asked for a raise. I was number one in the company. I was just doing so well. I had 
other recruiters in that department that had been there 15 years that I was past their numbers. Number one, the company, I think it was 22 at this point, And we had two other locations. So number one is recruiting. It was like, oh, I'm getting a raise. There's no reason I wouldn't. Cry, you know. And I'm, I was lucky enough. I was living at home so I could save money because if I was not, there's no way I could have afforded to live on my own at $30,000 with 0.33 commission. So, <laughs> yep, that's so true. Hey, laugh. It's hilarious <laughs> now. I'm like, you idiot. Um, so when I went into the race, they're like, oh, Angela, of course, we were expecting this. And mind you, everyone in management walked off to Christmas, brand new Beamers and brand new, you know, $75,000 to $100,000 cars in the parking lot. I'm like, oh, there's no reason I'm not going to get a raise. Everyone's got a new car. So they get back to me. What they bumped me up to, I think, was they gave me a $2,500 raise, and then I got to 0.75% commission, which if you do the math, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was like, oh, that's like a 15% increase in salary, Angela. You should be thankful. Because I remember someone I had told that. They're like, well, that's great. You should be thankful for it. Do you have any idea what anyone else was making? So That's my question. Perfect segue, which I will get to. We didn't talk about it as much. They get very upset if you talked about it. So I'd asked my work husband at the time, because we work late, you had different shifts, we had different time zones where we worked out of Seattle, so they'd want two recruiters to stay late certain days. We're working together one like extra hour. I'm like, mm, what do you think I could make? And he wouldn't tell me what he made, but he answered my question without answering it. He answered it, he's like, Angela, you're doing way better than any of us have. I've been here six years. Ask for the money, like you're gonna get it. They'd be crazy to lose you. I said, okay. So fast forward, I get this garbage raise, And I had this opportunity off LinkedIn fall into my lap. It was going to bump me up to $45,000 a year, 10% commission, no brainer. They wanted to interview me the day I already had off. It was like the stars were aligning. Yes. So I took that new opportunity, went in, told the owner of the company or the president of the company I'm quitting. He belittles me for two hours, which again, what I train people of how to quit a job, belittles me for two hours. Wait a minute. You're, yeah, usually uh, from what I've been trained, you make it quick. Yes. And this guy just lingered for two hours? I went in his office and everyone What I What knew. could he possibly say, if you don't mind me asking, that would be negative if you were the top seller? This is a big mistake. You're going to regret it till the end of time. Oh, he's trying to... Oh, yeah. The psychology of, yeah, you're making a mistake. You need to stay here. Yep. What would you say his agenda was? And it's crazy because he has two daughters. So you would think he'd be very woman-focused, women empowerment. A little nicer. A little nicer, but he would be little. He would talk over our marketing manager every time she talked. He treated her like his secretary. I mean, which she shouldn't have done this because she'd get him coffee every day. I'm like, you need an assistant, get an assistant. She's in charge of marketing for the entire company. And it used to make me so mad. Anytime she talked in a meeting, he'd talk over her. So anytime I talk and reiterate my point, and I would say, hey, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go in management? Because it was all white men in their 50s, 60s. No one's leaving till they're dying, which is very harsh to say, but it was true. Some of those guys have been in there since their 20s. They're not There's nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. The point is he's trying to, uh, and you were too young to know better, but he's trying to give you all the reasons why you should stay. Mm -hmm. And I will say that I was in sales and the first not the first first year, we'd be all in a sales meeting. And I remember the guy next to me says, hey, could you make me a coffee? I said, I don't know oh, how to make coffee no. and I don't drink coffee. Sorry. And he's like, well, 
you could learn. I said, so could you. If you want the coffee, go make it. I don't make coffee. I don't drink <laughs> coffee, you know. Right. And so he got up and I said, but by the way, I could use a tea. <laughs> and they all laughed yes. and it, it, it just kind of worked out. But right. the point is you got to find some humor to refuse to do it. Otherwise, we talked about this earlier, but that's your boss. She figures I'm going to get him coffee. I don't want to get fired. Right. Even though it's inappropriate. Mm-hmm. But you can find maybe ways. Or uh, one person told me they made coffee really horribly, and they never asked her again. <laughs> That's smart. Too. I, I like thought that, that was a good idea. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yes. But back to your question. Before I put in the notice to the president, I met with my said work husband. We went out for drinks. He thought I was telling him about a raise. And I said, no, I'm actually putting in my two-week notice. But I wanted to tell you first, because you've been helping me. You've been great while I've worked here. And he's like, well, I have to know, like, what did they offer you? And I told him and he just like almost out of a movie, like spit out his beer and said, don't ask me what I make. So he started off. It was $8,000 more than me to start his first year. Really? Then after his first year with not even close to the numbers I had, they bumped him up 18 grand. And I think he was making, don't quote me on this, but I think it was like five or 10% commission. So the total package after his first year was, I think, equivalent to about $22,000 more than me. Is that legal? I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Oh, no, it's legal. They can do it. I signed it. I mean, I don't know. You agreed to it, so. I signed it. I agreed to it. I didn't negotiate anything. So I quit. And one of the best pieces of advice when I had told my other friend I was quitting before I did, and I'll always be thankful for this, he said, Angela, if they make you a counteroffer, don't take it. I'm like, well, why? He's like, because they'll know you were looking for a job. And if, God forbid, something happens, they need to do layoffs, you're going to be the first to go. So now that piece of advice I do offer to clients all the time because something I never thought about. Like, yes, a counteroffer is great, but why does it take you being appreciated by a complete stranger company for your current company to appreciate you? I will tell you something. Same thing. I'm in sales. It's all contracts. Right. I moved to this company and again, the only female. And I found out that these two guys that I sold more than both of them put together all had better contracts than me. So I went to the, I'd say, head boss, and I said, why are they making a better contract than I am? He said, because you never asked. <laughs> yep. Okay, that's a hard lesson, but you know what? Right. I learned a lot there. I was like, oh, I said, well, I'd like more than them. He gave me the same. And I said, I'm going to leave unless you give me more. And he goes, I'm going to counter your bluff. And I said, bye. And I left. (laughs) But the truth is, I'm going to always thank this man because I learned a big lesson there. Shame on me. Okay, so I could walk around and moan about the fact that I made less than these two guys that I sold more than both of them put together. Shame on me because I didn't ask. Right. That's on me. That's not on the boss. If they can get away with it, they're going to do it. Now, as a boss, I'm going to tell you that's despicable behavior. Okay. That's disrespectful. He's not respecting you. I can't tell you if it's male, female, or what drove him, but that's totally ticks me off. Right. Yeah. And I think it's something we bond over is it's you realize now that I have my own company and I have my employees. It's really easy to be a good manager, like all the crappy managers I've had, which if you want to hear that story, that's a good one. But I do. 
<laughs> we'll get into that. Angela's really long-winded today. But all those bad behaviors, it just makes me realize they're just not good people because it's really not that difficult to be a good boss. I mean, are some days tough and you're like, why? I don't want to be a manager. I don't want to manage people. Yes, I don't love what I do all day, every day, but I'm still there for my employees or the fact they feel comfortable coming to me or whatever issues they have. But I've been a bad boss. You've been a yes. bad boss? Um, I had a um, an employee that slept in his office, treated everybody here horribly, very arrogant, and I didn't quite know how to handle it, and he brought out the worst in me. And so that makes me a bad boss that I couldn't figure out. I probably should have fired him immediately, and I was trying to be nice and give him a chance, but that was disrespectful to the rest of the employees. So I'm just giving a boss's point of view is sometimes we're horrible people because we just don't know better. Right. Yeah. And you're learning as they're learning. And it's what do you do when there's a horrible employee like that? You it was watch, a horrible said. employee. I should have cut them off quickly. And I didn't. And I learned now we had somebody we hired, um, let's say a year and a half ago. And she lasted a week. Like I knew right away. And I'm like, I'm cutting this off at the pass. Right. Do it swiftly and quickly. They always say, you know, hire slowly, fire quickly. And I agree with that. That's true. Just saying us bosses are, we don't know a lot of things too. Sometimes. Yes. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. It is. But I know what you're saying. You can be respectful to people. That part is right. not hard. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I'll wrap it up hopefully quickly. So after I left that job, I then moved into technical recruiting I knew week three, I shouldn't have left. I knew taking this job was a mistake. And not that I shouldn't have left that first opportunity, because I should have. I was getting underpaid fine. But I should have looked for other opportunities, not just taking the first one, because they threw a lot of money at me. Got into technical recruiting. was like, okay, let's just see. It's a different wavelength. A lot of things were changing about a house. I like did all the things. New job, new house, new location, all craziness all at once. And I had a boss that was insane. He would throw his phone across the office. He would scream. He would be so red in the face from screaming and then turn around like Jekyll and Hyde and be like, oh, Angela, how's it going? Like, I can't keep up. Like, how do you know? So I stayed there two and a half years. There were some other sketchy things where some account managers, and you said you've worked in sales too, account managers were taking my commission when I was out of office, just like whole thing. So the proud, full person I am, I said, I'm not working on certain accounts. I'm not doing this and I'm not wasting my time. I worked nights. I worked weekends. I remember, not that you need to know this, but I remember getting food poisoning, working from home, still getting called to be like, you need to schedule this interview. You need to do this. You need to do that. And you were working while you were sick. Yep. Mm -hmm. All the time, constantly. Why'd you feel you had to do that? Because if not, then... They really operated off of bullying and made me feel bad about it. So I felt like, oh, I wanted to hit goal. I want to hit my metrics, my KPIs. And then they enticed you with like a free trip, but then they'd up it just a little bit every year. So some people wouldn't ever get it like myself. You know, my first sales job, they did that. Mm -hmm. And the manager actually told me that they hired people from retail because people from retail work tons of hours. And they wanted someone with a big mortgage that they, they were desperate and would work hard. Oh, my gosh. That's Isn't disgusting. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what they did. And then I went to Italy for two weeks. And that was the first time I was not working. I wasn't checking emails on the weekend. I was like, I'm in another country. I'm not doing this. I'm with friends. I'm with family. I'm not doing it. So right before I left, I got put in on, on a probationary period. Why? 
because I wasn't making them enough money. In the back end, I tried to do what was right. My manager, who was awful, was being really disrespectful to a lot of people in the office, was doing some sketchy things. So again, I wanted to be a criminal profiler, so I had a record of all the things he was doing. I reported to corporate, and corporate said, you need to shut her up. Like, stop. Like, I'm sick of hearing her name. So got put on probation, came home. Within an hour, I was fired after my two-week vacation. And wow. Yep. My boss walked right past me, didn't say a word, and I was like, I'm getting fired. I just had a feeling I had my little eat, pray, love trip. Like, why am I stressing about this stupid (laughs) job? Like, look at this. I'm drinking wine in the Tuscan region. Life is good. (laughs) Right. And I came home and I got fired. Devastating. I'm like, hyper. I called my mom, hyperventilating, and we have some weird energy between us. She's like, I don't know why I was thinking about your job today. Like, I'm not surprised, but you're going to be fine. It's going to be okay. So I did tell my boss exactly how I felt about him. How old were you when this happened? I was 24, I believe. Yeah, that's young. That's young. Okay. I burnt that bridge. Not that I recommend doing that, but I told him all that I felt, all the angst I had built up, all the disrespect he had toward me. I went out with a bang. I still talk to my other manager. We're getting drinks next week, so we didn't burn all the bridges. (laughs) But you know what? I wonder wonder if it mattered to him what you said. No. I think I hurt his feelings and his ego a little bit because he was a he was a fraternity brother that never grew up, even though he was close to forty. Oh, geez, you know the type. Yes. So yes, we love sororities and fraternities, but it was just the type. It's like grow up. You're not in college anymore. So did you do this when they fired you, or did you come back and say, "I want to have a chat with you"? Oh no, when he fired me, he brought me into his office and he said, "Close the door." I'm like, "Who? I'm getting canned." And it was Angela. Nothing was ever his fault. It was, oh, it's corporate's call. I'm so sorry. I feel so bad. He didn't feel bad for me. He didn't care. So then, like a psychopath, tears streaming down my face. Because, again, I just bought a house. Oh, geez. A year. Well, I think I was a year into having my house. I had some savings, but I was pretty much, I bought an old 100-year-old house in Royal Oak. So lots of fixing. All my extra money went to fixing it. So I was like, what am I going to do? Do you want to share what you said to him or not really? Oh, I can. Or the context? Yes. So I essentially told, (laughs) I'll give the the PG version of it, but I essentially (laughs) said, you have wasted my time for even making me come in here. You are the worst boss and just an awful human being. Nobody respects you. And Funny enough, I had helped everyone that left that office get new jobs. I did their resumes. I helped every single one out. So I told him that. And I just let him rip because he didn't care that some of the other employees that office, they take three hours smoke breaks. They would go out for lunch for three hours. But, you know, if I was 15, 20 minutes late, I'd get screamed at. Yes. So I told him exactly how I felt and said he should not be in that management position. They made a mistake hiring him. I'm so sorry that you're not happy at home that you take it out all on us and you need to maybe go to some leadership classes and get your anger under control. And I said, stop wasting my time. Go call your minions and I'm out. You're wasting my time here. So then I went out, hyperventilated, cried my way home, called my boyfriend at the time, called my mother. And then I went home and post. I had my uh, glass of Pinot Grigio at 9 a.m. when I got home. And I'm like, okay, what are you going to do? What are you going to do now? I blasted it on social media. I said, hey, I finally had that push to take the resume rescue full time. I'm now in business. So I had a little bit of leeway to get some clients in, but I also took other jobs. So this is the thing that I want to be very clear is that I worked with my dad. I was like the yes friend. So if you needed help moving, you needed help painting, you needed help, whatever, I would go help and say yes. I worked for Boar's Head. I worked for 
other companies where I worked when people needed help. So it wasn't like an overnight success. It was very much, how much money do I need to make a day to survive? It came down to a hundred bucks. I cut off all my Netflix, all my subscriptions. I made it really cheap. I was thrifty in college, so. I love hearing this because I don't think people realize I had clients once that they were in heavy debt with mm-hmm. credit cards. Yes. Young couple. And I remember I went to their home and I said, I don't usually like to look at budgets because then you're honing into personal things. But they were in heavy debt. And I said, listen, if I were you, I would started saying, cut out this, 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 this. It was cable, going out to eat, cook when you run errands, stack it up. And the other thing they did is they had a part-time job. Both of them did. And every dime from their part-time job paid off their debt. So, I mean, if you are in financial trouble or you're in a transition, I love what you just said. I do, because I grew up poor or lower middle class, not poor, lower middle class, but a lot of us know when you go to a restaurant to just to get water, okay? That's like one of those tricks that those of us with no money or grew up with no money know, or or you don't go out to eat, or when you do, it's a treat, but you, you order water. Or if you go out with your friends, maybe you hang out at their house and play video games and and drink there. You cut out all the extras and you live minimally is what I'm guessing. Right. And being at the age that that's forever weddings and everything, and I'm the baby of my cousins on both sides, that I have about 10 cousins on each side of the family that are all older than me. So that year I got fired. I had my one cousin's wedding. I got invited to the bachelorette party. Thankfully, I wasn't asked to stand up because that would have been too much, but I remember we went to Detroit for her bachelorette party and I'm like, how am I going to afford doing this? Well, they wanted to do the whole like bottle service. And my cousin and I very tactfully were like, okay, we are not involved to spend whatever it was like $700 for a bottle of Tito's or something. The whole thing that's stupid. I'm like, Adrian, I cannot afford doing this. Like, let's go drink our own drinks over here. And that wasn't the end of the world. No, it wasn't. There was 15 girls or there was something ridiculous. There was a huge amount of women there. So not to be the cheap ones of the group, but I was very clear with my cousin. I'm like, look, I want to come. I'm really excited. But just so you know, I don't want to be included in that. Or if you don't want me to come, that's fine. Yes. I love, love, love the story because people are like, well, you got to, you know, you got to. And I said, no, you don't got to. You don't know. Talk right. it out with your friends and say, and I've had a lot of people say, well, if everybody's going out, you could say, listen, I'm busy, but I'll join you for dessert. Right. Okay. There's things uh-huh. you can do if you really can't afford to do things, but yes. don't spend money just to please others because that's a huge mistake. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And what kind of took me to quitting those jobs is I had a LinkedIn post that kind of went a little viral. It was around Christmas time. It was when you're working nights, weekends, missing, putting your kids to bed, missing gatherings from your friends' accomplishments. You can always get another job. You can't get more time back. Went viral. I had so much business in the door, I couldn't keep up, which was great. That's awesome because it relates to all of us. Yes. The interesting thing and something you and I talked about before recording, the thing about owning a business is it's great. Are we doing well? I have five employees, yes. But something to come up with is people like, oh, you can afford this. You could do this. It's like, I can't all the time because when times are tough, I mean, I'm not going to give any type of financial advice or anything, but recession, not recession, whatever. I'm not um, trained to make decisions on that. But when we're slow, I take the pay cut, not my employees. I pay them well to stay with me. I pay them well to do this, but I still work at my uncle's restaurant on the weekends when he needs help. 
He's has a great restaurant in Warren. Well, he he's loves your help, probably because you know what you're doing, so you can I step do. in. But I'm going to say the same. When the market crashed mm-hmm. and a lot of layoffs, I think it was about 30% yes. of people lost their jobs. But when you look at the data, believe it or not, the hours of work only went down 17%. So the work was still there, but companies were trying to save money. So sometimes the market goes down, which is no reflection of the company's ability or financial ability. It's just that the market went down. Mm -hmm. The company's still strong and you got to wait it out and things come back, right? Right. I remember taking, actually, I I didn't take a paycheck for about six months during that time. And my employees knew it. I didn't tell them, but something happened that they found out or whatever. And they said, you shouldn't be doing that. And I said, listen, I want to keep you guys. But they all took a 20% time working less to save money. And we all kind of were in it together. And I think that's what's made my company so, so good. Is that everybody kind of worked together to get through it. And we did. And they, they knew I put them first. So I would venture to say there's a lot of business owners like us. People are like, oh, no, you two are unusual. I don't think so. A lot of business owners I talk to they're not going to say anything to their employees, but they're going to do their best to keep good employees. We appreciate good employees. Right. And it's different. I mean, you hear something, I forget what the newest one was out of Grand Rapids, where she screamed at her employees to make more money because they were worried about their bonuses when she was making multi-million dollars was her paycheck. Mm. I think to your point, it's the small business owners. It's the local people, the people that have a great story like yourself that understand what it takes to have good employees that make your company run and everything of that sort. So what I often talk with people is they're like, oh, well, I haven't found work. Money's getting tight. Food and beverage industry, it's a lot of work being a server or bartender, but it is good money. I mean, I would rather you, if I'm hiring you for a position, I'd rather you tell me, hey, look, I've been a server for the last few months to survive versus you operating from a place of scarcity and being desperate that you need the job. So if a company is ever going to look down at you for doing what you had to do to take care of your family or do what you needed to do to survive, it is expensive to live right now. I mean, it is atrocious. Yeah, inflation's gone out tremendously. And you know, another story, but my son got laid off right after buying a house, right during COVID. Mm -hmm. He's an engineer, but he went and worked at FedEx and he was delivering He loved it. He said it was a blast. He said the people there were wonderful. His boss actually tried to get him an engineering job at FedEx, but then he'd had to move again. He goes, I'm not going to move again. Right. Here's my point. I would guess that when he was looking for his engineer job and he told people, look, I was delivering at FedEx, I don't think they looked down on that. And I would say as a mom, it was a proud moment because he did what he had to do. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. So that's a good message. And I, I will tell you, I have a lot of people I know that are servers that graduated from college right. that will not go and get a regular job that they went to get their degree for because they're making too much money being servers. Go figure. Right. And I know skilled trades always gets a bad rap or food and beverage. I mean, oftentimes, if you end up being a general manager of a restaurant, you're making six figures. And that's where... I always, I stress this to everyone, like, yes, I had the privilege of going to college. I don't believe you need to go to college. You can go to trade school, go to something else. And my generation was kind of pushed like, oh, you go to college, you get the big degree, you get this. It's like I had a bachelor's degree from Penn State University making 30 grand out of school. And then I was hiring 
ASE master mechanics at 18 years old, and legally they have to be paid $30 an hour. You just need a high school diploma GED and this master certification that costs you like $1,000. See? What I always try to stress to people is you have a passion that something you're good at. I mean, I didn't know what supply chain was. I didn't know what a financial analyst did when I was 18. I mean, all these beautiful opportunities came about from getting into recruiting, from doing all of this. I mean, I was working on Microsoft's Halo team, people that design video games, like someone that makes the little trees in a video game. I mean, things you don't realize are jobs. Everything can be a job. And what I face in my owning the resume rescue, working with great clients is people go to college, do whether what they're supposed to do or what their parents told them to do. And then 10, 20, 30 years down, they're like, well, I've actually been passionate about photography and I'm really good at it. So now I think I'm going to do that. It's like you could have made money doing it if you had either that business knowledge or had those skill sets. I'm not going to say it's easy because it's not easy. You and I can both agree on that. But you can make money if you're crafty with it, if you have your marketing down pat, whatever that looks like. But I'm not quit your job, make millions. That's not my vibe. But you can do something to get to where you want to be. There's also a difference. Let's take the photography and maybe DJs, things like that, Mm -hmm. Uh, musicians. I know so many musicians that work a full-time job and then they do their gigs during the week. And then sometimes they make agreements with their employer that maybe they get off early on a Friday if they have a gig or they, you know, that type of thing. But some of them realize it's hard to make it. It is, yes. And you've got to figure out in your head when you see the competition out there, are you really going to make it? And if you are, maybe you pursue it or you keep it as a hobby and just enjoy life. And that's true, too. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. No. Mm -mm. I played in bands. I did not have the talent. (laughs) They used to turn off my mic so that, just pretend to sing, Jill. I said, okay, I will do that. Pretend to sing. sing. Oh, my gosh, that's so funny. So I played the instrument, but I didn't sing. Based on that point, I have a friend right now where she's at this point. She started this business finally after me encouraging her, pushing her to do this. She has this business, but she works full time. She makes really great money full time. And she's like, well, I need more time. I need more time. And that's unfortunately, I don't want to say like the grind phase, but it is. You work your eight to five and then you come home and work five to nine or then you work on the weekends. I mean, it's not easy. And I was lucky I was not married. I do not have kids. I mean, there's different points in life where I could work 14 hours a day. Not that I encourage you to do it, but that's what it took to get to where we needed to be. So let's be fair. Being a business owner, I don't imagine doing anything else. I agree. But I would say that I worked every day of the week. Yes. And Mm -hmm. if I, on Fridays, if I got off at four or five, that's a half day for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I did put the time in and, um, it was okay. My, my husband's getting his master's at the time. We were both just busting our butts. But when you have a family and such, it's, it's different. I actually used to come home for dinner every day, and then my husband would get the kids in the bathtub, and then I'd go out and run an appointment at night. You know what? I loved my job, so it didn't bother me. So I guess that's the other thing you ask yourself while you're doing all this hard work. And so I don't know about you, but I am always have a pull it's a good problem to have. I like goofing off and I like working. When I'm at work, I'm like having a ball. And then I get home and I'm having a ball. I'm having fun in both. So you're still having fun. I am still having fun. How long ago did you start your business that you already have five employees? 
So I did the whole register the business 2017. I took it full time September of 2019. So we're coming up on four years. How'd you make it through COVID? COVID, we were busy. I've hired every employee during COVID. Interesting. Where I looked at it, and I'm lucky that I have a lot of, I have a good amount of friends that have been there, done that already with their own businesses pretty young, where they said, okay, I was working 15-hour days, and then my turnaround time for resumes, LinkedIn, was like a month and a half. So I was losing business because people were like, I can't wait that long. So I took the time, and a piece of advice I was given by someone was like, okay, take how many hours it's taking you to do things that aren't generating you revenue, such as answering emails or not doing fulfillment, like writing resumes, like career coaching, interview prep, whatever. And it came out to about five hours a day. I was doing emails, proposals, answers, stuff like that. And he's like, okay, maybe consider hiring someone. So my first employee literally landed in my lap. She reached out to me for a resume review, had the perfect background I needed, interviewed her, and she's been with me now. It'll be four years? No, it'll be three years in August. But then when she took half my workload off, then I was like, okay, now I'm doing resumes and now, again, we're getting back up to the month because I didn't want her trained on resumes. So then I found a resume writer. And then it came down to what do we need? What do, What's taking up the most of my time? And it's not that I have so much extra money. I'm a multi-million dollar company. I'm not. I hope to be one day. But I'm at the, like, we're spending money to make money right now yeah, phase. I get it. I try to give myself some grace. I turned 29 on Wednesday. So I try to give myself some grace of you've made it this far. You have a lot more. Like, where are you going to be in another 29 years? I mean, hopefully you're retired and uh, living large, but you know, but not every, large. But, but everybody has happy birthday. Thank you. Every business, small business, you hire someone and you don't have that extra money. It's not like it's there. You're hiring someone because you're buried. And then what you do is you kind of measure... I do is after you hire someone and a, a month goes by, is my life easier? Are they allowing us to make more money because they're here? Is that valuable? I mean, you're doing it before it happens because you don't know what's going to happen. It's tough. Right. And I made the decision because we, we were hiring for someone to do sales. I offer completely free consultations, which is great. But some days I do t- upwards of 20 plus consultations which is crazy. But that'll get you referrals, et cetera. Right. And, and that's almost, to me, um, and maybe we'll have you back with other business owners, but the business owner concept is much different than being an employee. Yes, exactly. Now you're running a business, trying to be efficient, getting the right people, doing a good job for your clients, right. keeping it a process so everybody does things similar and has your signature on it, right? Because it's your company. And what's I think helped us do really well is my employees feel comfortable coming to me if a decision I made they don't agree with or something like that. It's love-hate relationship with us being such a small team, but it also helps us be better. Where I remember one of my employees and I disagreed on something and it got a little heat and nothing crazy. Yeah, She went to tell her husband and he comes back and he's like, but how cool is that that you get to voice your opinion and be heard? So she had came back and said that. And I was like, no, it is great. I mean, we don't get along every day. I hate the whole, we're a family. But, you know, we do get along and it makes us a better business there. In January, when I hired for someone, I was like, oh, I need someone to do sales. Help me out because I'm just getting overwhelmed. And I do need another salesperson because I want to do stuff like this. I want to go on podcasts. I want to go network. I want to do that, which I do a lot of, but even more. So we had two people that interviewed and I love them both as 
separate entities for the one job I wanted. So I was like, okay, one's got really great skills in one area, one's got really great skills in another. Talked with my two full-time employees and I said, this is where my head's at. I think we make two positions and make them both hourly. So we ended up doing that. Wow. And then it's been great. I mean, they've been with us now almost five months. That's bold, though. It was. Training. I was like, kill two birds with one stone. Train both at the same time. Not for the faint of heart. It's great now, but January, February was a little chaos. But it's making decisions like that or being able to rely on like a air quote board of directors because they will be my board of directors one day when we're we're a bigger company. We're doing a lot of things. I will tell you other business owners that you can get together with on a monthly basis, even over drinks. Mm-hmm. That's my board of directors. Yes. Because you can run things past them and they're going to tell you they're going to help you because they've been through it too. Right. I mean, the friendships I've made even, I mean, the fact that we get to do this and all of that is just priceless with that too. And my employees have been good to me. When I had a tr- that troubled employee, one of my employees went up to me and they said, we've never seen you. So you're more invested in their career than they are. And I said, oh, and they Uh-oh. said, you need to, you need to let it go. Ugh. And it was because of them that I did. I waited too long. And like I said, that's because I had good employees that cared about me, too. So if you run into a business and nobody seems to care about each other, I don't know how that will thrive. No. Mm -mm. So what would be, um, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but maybe some top things that we could tell people about changing jobs. And I mean, you've given them the clues of how you're treated, how you're getting paid, my opinion, an expert opinion, is I always tell people to keep looking around just to see what's out there compared to where they're at. Well, you should have everything set already. You should have your resume updated. You should be updating your LinkedIn quarterly at a minimum. I'll even say yearly at a minimum. Let's do that. Because if the pandemic's taught us anything is no job is guaranteed. I mean, yes, we did really well during the pandemic, but I still have my employees keep their resumes updated and make sure they have the skill sets too. Not that they're ever allowed to leave me because they know they're not. <laughs> but you want to keep yourself updated and you never know where the wind's going to take you. I mean, the amount of opportunities that are presented to ourselves, or you never know who you're in a room with. We go to how many networking groups that you and I are both a part of. I've been in the room with some very impressive people. I'm like, I've seen you on TV. Oh my gosh, I'm like fangirling over here. But If you have a dream job, you have a dream company you'd love to work for, have your stuff ready to go, number one. Number two, if you trust your gut on everything, there's nothing logical, but you trust your gut. You go into an interview and it sounds great. It's the best thing since sliced bread, but your gut's telling you something different. Run from it. And the ball is in your court. Yes. Is the hiring manager the one that ultimately makes the decision if you're going to move forward? Yes. But you are the one that gets to decide if you want the offer. So many people operate which it was before about 10, 15, 20 years ago. Don't ask questions, you know, just sit there. No, it's your interview too. Exactly. It's your interview too to figure out, do I want to work for this company? Exactly. You spend at minimum 40 hours a week at this company. You need to like the people and you need to be yourself. I used to be horrific at interviewing. We just hosted a webinar and I used to hilarious enough be awful at interviewing. Like downplay your personality. Don't be as extroverted. Don't be as loud and obnoxious as you are, Angela tone it down. And when I tone it down, I think anyone that interviewed me could tell I wasn't being myself and I never got offers. So I read every book out there. I was like, you know what? What's the worst? I myself. 
And now to this point, to give myself a little bit of love, I never walked out of an interview without a, at least a verbal offer on the table. See, because you were because acting like myself. yourself. And being in a recruiter in a sales-focused job, you need to be extroverted. So my skills are really uh, honing in there. A lot of people, you know, don't ask for too much money. Don't do this. Like sit in your little bubble and don't go outside of it. You need to be happy. You don't need to live to work. You work to live. You can have a great opportunity. If you want to transition industries, you can. I don't care if you're 5, 10, 15, 20 years in. Most people don't end up in their career path that their degree is in if they did decide to go to college. Oh, absolutely. A lot of people don't realize that. So many people don't realize where their skills are transferable. I've helped stay-at-home parents write resumes where we make them chief of operations, chief of staff, whatever their all their volunteer work they've done for schools. I can tell you running a business is very similar to running a household. Mm-hmm. The bills, the operations, all that. The meetings. And I'll also say that as an employer, there's so many things that don't take skill that we need. Show up on time, have a good attitude, offer to help more. Where everyone always thinks, oh my gosh, I'm not bad. I sound stupid. I do this. Insert whatever. I'm hiring for a client right now. The amount of people that don't do their research where I said, hey, what do you know about X company? They say, oh, we got this the other day. I've applied to about 150 jobs. I was hoping you could tell me a little bit more. Immediately, no. We cut off the interview. My recruiting coordinator cut it off and said, no, like you can't do the research. You're out. If you think you have a problem, you're probably not the problem child there with uh, interviewing and all, but give yourself some credit. Everyone's so hard on themselves. Everyone's just faking it till they make it. Everyone mm-hmm. has the same issues. I have the same conversation every day. I don't care if they're a kid out of high school or a C-suite executive. Everyone has the same concerns. Very interesting. And I think the lesson here is changing jobs is scary, but sometimes being fired is the best thing that could have happened to you. Yes. I cried a lot. My ego was absolutely destroyed because it was embarrassing to me, but I'm thankful for it. I mean, not every day is easy, but had I not been fired, gone through getting paid less than my male counterparts, getting screamed at by an awful boss, I mean, all these things have now built me up into the list like, okay, try me. Let me help everyone else out. And everything that you were doing led to this. In other words, your whole story the consistency is you're doing exactly what you should be doing because yes. you love it, right? I do love it. I love it every single day. I sit back oftentimes and not to be like, oh, it's so great. I still cry. I still have my little mental breakdowns. Michelle and I talk about it all the time. But <laughs> I'm so thankful that I get to take the time. I get to say, hey, employees, I'm having a rough day. I'm going to sign off today. They could do the same for me. And it's I still wake up encouraged, inspired, and just excited to do what I do every day. And that's that's the help tip of this is we hope that everybody can at least be happy most of the time yes. in their jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you. Thanks for sharing. Yes. I appreciate that you came. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Uncommon Sense. I'm Jill Gleba. For more stories and all the financial knowledge you wish somebody had taught you, you can find my book, Uncommon Sense at jillgleba.com. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at the Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.